I'm Glenn Schmidt with Schmidt Farms in Waller, Texas. We're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, USDA released its latest crop production and supply and demand report this week, and it was a very friendly report for the cotton market. We'll take a closer look at the numbers and get some market analysis coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Producer education meetings are in full swing in the Texas High Plains. And one message to farmers is this. 2022 could be a good year for corn even with the pressure coming from input costs. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Texas farmers and ranchers gain approval of a livestock marketing policy at the National Farm Bureau Convention. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. During the dormant season, we often get anxious for warm weather and green pastures, so we start thinking about renovation. Renovation is a series of management practices which restores the vigor, or makes new again. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA released its latest crop production and supply and demand report this week, and it was very friendly for the cotton market. They lowered the 2021 cotton crop some 660,000 bales to 17.62 million and slashed domestic ending stocks by 2 million bales down to 3.2 million. Cotton market analyst Gerald Nieper says this is very friendly for the market, and he's expecting prices to move higher. So March could could eventually take out, you know, 121.67, maybe run up to 122 to 124. The the new crop, again, I'm looking for 98 cents to 104 at some point. If it's going to happen, it's probably going to happen prior to everybody getting their crop in. I mean, people are going to be watching the weather. They're going to see if, you know, if the crop is late getting in. And um, if it's late getting in for for weather problems, that's probably going to encourage it to, to move higher. USDA cut cotton production here in the U.S. by 650,000 bales, mainly because of a reduction in yields here in Texas. A new Texas A&M study raises concerns about the possibility of nitrogen shortages and higher prices. U.S. corn farmers could see even higher prices for nitrogen fertilizers. 
One of the country's largest nitrogen suppliers has petitioned the U.S. International Trade Commission to impose new tariffs on nitrogen fertilizer imports from Trinidad and Tobago and Russia. And a new study from the Agricultural and Food Policy Center at Texas A&M University says that could mean shortages and even higher prices in the U.S. Dr. Joe Outlaw, lead researcher on the report, has more. Any import tariff on nitrogen fertilizers would raise the prices for both domestically produced and imported fertilizer by the full amount of the tax multiplied by the pre-tax price. We're talking about tariffs on two countries. Actually, the marginal cost is of the higher, so it'd be 10%, and 10% of the most recent price would lead to roughly $102 additional on top of what I just said, which is about a $600 price increase that we've seen. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 2021 was a good year for livestock auctions. Chelsea Good with the Livestock Marketing Association says auction markets were able to weather the COVID storms and continue business as usual. You know, so many businesses struggle during COVID. We weren't those businesses. We were deemed essential and uh, we're part of this critical supply chain, right? And so producers kept bringing their livestock. We kept selling them and, and turning you know their, their commodity into cash. And that was super important. And so they've been rolling along good. Good says she expects auction markets to continue that trend into the new year. 2022 could be a good year for Texas corn farmers, even with the higher cost of inputs. James Hunt has the story from the Panhandle. Meeting season is really in high gear around the Texas High Plains, including those pioneer crop production clinics we've talked about. One presenter at those clinics is pioneer field agronomist Jake Becker of Dalhart, who's been talking to producers about corn management. For 2022, we're really up in the game, right? Corn is worth more, but it's going to cost more to produce that bushel of corn. So guys need to be careful about input costs. They need to watch the fertilizer price. But really, with the way the price is right now, I think we're set up to have a successful 2022. Now, to go along with that, Becker told me it's important to get the right hybrids for the right acres. And there's local data to help farmers figure that out. We had 100 plots last year in 2021, both our new hybrids and our old hybrids. So taking that data, compiling it together, and we know, uh, us as Pioneer sales reps and Pioneer field agronomists, we know where those hybrids should be placed. We just need to make sure that they end up in the right place under the right conditions, and we're set up for success. Now, to give you a little heads up, here's the schedule for next week's sessions of the Pioneer Crop Production Clinics. Tuesday, January 18th at the Carson County Ag Building in Panhandle. Wednesday, January 19th at the Hereford Civic Center in Hereford. Thursday, January 20th at the Bailey County Electrical Co-op in Muleshoe. And Friday, January 21st at the Plainview Country Club in Plainview. Each of those clinics is scheduled for 8.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. Admission is free, lunch will be provided, and several CEUs will be available. Along with the presentation on corn, some of the other topics to be covered are resistant weed management, cotton pest management, and the outlook for the markets. An auction training for Enlist is also being offered. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas delegates led the way on livestock marketing policy at the recent American Farm Bureau Convention in Atlanta. Tom Nicoletti tells us the policy opposes the move to mandate fed cattle trade in the cash market. At the American Farm Bureau Federation Annual Convention in Atlanta, Texas Farm Bureau delegates received adoption of a livestock marketing policy resolution that Texas producers supported at their own state convention. 
The policy states, quote, we oppose government mandates that force any livestock slaughter facility to purchase a set percentage of their live animal supply via cash bids. TFB President Russell Boehning led the Texas farmers and ranchers push for passage of this national policy. Well, as you well know, I mean, we are the leading beef cattle state in the nation. We've studied this beef marketing thing. We've, we've had issues over the past couple of years, whether it had been related to uh, the pandemic, whether it be related to uh, supply chain issues, which you could say were caused somewhat by the pandemic, labor issues, which may have been somewhat caused by the pandemic. You know, so we've had some, some things happening on the beef marketing side that have caused concern amongst our members and amongst members all across this country. Four big packers process a little over 80% of the processed beef in this country. Uh, so there was some concern about the, the beef packers, the margins between boxed beef, what they sell, and, and what the producer's getting. But with all that being said, there was agreement here that transparency in those beef markets needs to be looked at, needs to be improved. Not only needs to be looked at, but needs to be improved. We just didn't think that the mandatory negotiated cash trade was the way to do that. You know, whenever you start mandating, you know, my comment today was when you mandate how someone buys your cattle, you're also mandating how you can sell your cattle. That is Texas Farm Bureau President Russell Baining. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. During the dormant season, many forage producers may be thinking about pasture renovation. Texas A&M Forage Specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson says this is a good time to make a renovation plan. In pasture management, renovation refers to improvement of a permanent pasture by changed management. Renovation of Bermuda grass pastures may be as simple as soil testing and applying proper fertilization, or it may be as complex and intensive as destroying the existing sod, preparing a seed bed, and sprigging again. Our first renovation practice should be extensive soil testing and fertilization in accordance with the soil test recommendations. Potassium is essential in plants to combat diseases, aid in water use, and for winter hardiness. Deficiencies of potassium can cause both yield losses and stand losses. Bermuda grass is especially sensitive to potassium deficiencies. Another practice that can improve forage production and persistence is weed control. Weeds compete with Bermuda grass for water, nutrients, and sunlight. Scouting and identifying weeds early is critical in order to match the best method of control and to potentially have effective control. When most people think of renovation, they think about replanting entirely. Bermuda grass will break dormancy after our last frost, which can occur in mid-March. Green up will usually take place from late March to mid-April, depending on the location in the state. For now, we can plan ahead for improving our forage management for this coming warm season. Using best management practices that encourage healthy stands, better nutrient utilization, along with grazing management and hay production practices that extend the longevity of the stand is the producer's best line of defense. If you decide to replant, select forage species and varieties that are adapted to your location, as well as fit your production system goals. Remember, Bermuda grass is resilient and has high tolerance of cold and drought if managed appropriately. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson reporting from East Texas with Texas Ag Today. The Great Texas Birding Classic is just a few months away. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the winter is a very difficult time to raise baby calves. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. Today. 
In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is a tough time of year to raise baby calves, but Dr. Bob Judd says there are some things you can do to help them survive. Scours and pneumonia are the major causes of calf death loss, and yet with an early diagnosis and treatment, many calves can be saved. And Dr. Pamela Regg from Michigan State indicates that supportive care is more important than antibiotics. In Dairy Herd Management magazine, she offered a list of suggestions for caring for the sick calf. First of all, it's important to isolate all sick calves and use fresh bedding to keep them warm and dry. If you are administering fluids, be sure and warm the fluids prior to use as this will help raise the calf's temperature. These young calves have to use a lot of energy just to keep their temperature normal. And if you use cold fluids, even more energy is wasted. Although calves are getting milk or milk replacer, they need access to fresh water twice a day. It is okay to feed milk replacer and you can use the normal dilution, but it's better to feed smaller amounts more frequently. So on these sick calves, feed one quart four times a day versus two quarts twice a day. If a calf will not nurse, use an esophageal feeder to feed them because they have got to have the energy and fluid from feeding. You can give oral fluids in addition to the milk replacer if the calf is dehydrated. However, it's better to separate oral fluids and electrolytes from milk feedings by two hours. Using non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like Banamine or Medicam can be used to help with fever and pain, and this makes the calves feel better and more likely to nurse. Use antibiotics only when the veterinarian feels they are required, and use probiotics after antibiotics to replace live organisms in the gut that antibiotics may have killed. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Great Texas Birding Classic is just a few months away. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. Registration is now open for the biggest, longest, and wildest birding tournaments in the United States. The 26th annual Great Texas Birding Classic is scheduled for April 15th to May 15th across the state. There are 13 categories for birders of all ages and experience levels this year, including the expanded Big Sit, the State Park Tournament, Sunrise to Noon Tournament, the Texas Two-Step, and the Out of Sight Song Birder Tournament. Due to the continuation of the coronavirus pandemic, event organizers say they've kept some of the pandemic-friendly categories, but they're also bringing back some pre-COVID favorites. Birders can work solo or form a team with other birders. There are half-day, full-day, and week-long tournaments available. For example, the expanded Big Sit can last up to a single day. Birders of all ages, in a team of one or more, select a 50-foot diameter circle from which to bird. Birders look and listen for birds inside and outside of that circle and note what they found. Again, that's just one of the many options available. The deadline to register for the Birding Classic is April 1st. Cost varies by which tournaments are selected, but teams may secure sponsors to help offset their costs. 
Funding from the tournament goes to conservation grants for birding, nature tourism, and habitat restoration and enhancement projects. You can register for the Great Texas Birding Classic now on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. That is tpwd.texas.gov. tpwd.texas.gov. Simply search Great Texas Birding Classic. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a higher trade in the cattle market on Thursday, but cotton and grains closed lower. We'll update all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Both live and feeder cattle futures closed higher on Thursday. February live cattle up 42 cents at 137 even. The April up 45 at 140.97. June live cattle up 60, 136.85. Feeder cattle, same story. With January up $1.05, 162.92. March feeders up $1.70, 166.72. The April contract up $1.70 at one seventy forty seven. Cash fed cattle trade about wrapped up of the week. The price range this week, 134 to 137 on a live basis here in the south, mostly 136 to 137. That makes for a steady to $2 lower market compared to last week's weighted averages. Boxed beef higher on Thursday, choice up $1.88, 281 81 select up $1.35, at 272.33. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's talk sheep and goats today with Benny Cox. Benny, how did they sell Tuesday? We ended up with just over 5,500, which is a good number for this time of the year, of course. Kid goats, they sold from 30 to $40 a hundred higher. We saw a good many of these big old fat muttons still coming out of the feed yard. We had a good many of those. They might not have been a lot higher, but man, these other goats were just crazy good. These slaughter nannies, oh my goodness. Some of those just nothings brought under $2. Some of them all the way up to $285. I mean, over $300 a head for an old swinging bag nanny. What do you know? Most of them selling in that 250 to 265 range. Add that up. Slaughter billies, they were much the same. Kind of 220 to 265. The wool feeder lambs that we did see, most of them on the lighter end, sell all the way from 305 to 395. The slaughter lambs, those hair sheep type, from 330 to 447 on the lighter end, with the heavier ones from uh, 280 all the way up to 402. Slaughter ewes from 140 to $2, mostly 175 to 185. On the kid goats, 
the latter end of those are the ones that sure enough went to kill from 340 to 465. Uh, and those 340s would be like your old milk goat types, the ones that are not real desirable. But mm-hmm. most of them selling a range from 430 to 440 with some of those feeder types. And we had a good, it's getting dry. We had a good many of those pulled off, you know, weighing down there in that 40 pound range, sell all the way up to 485. Benny, the sixth annual production sheep sale is coming to San Angelo in March, correct? What date? March 19th. It's on a Saturday. This will be the sixth year we've done that, and it sure has worked out well for a lot of people. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. They can call me on my mobile. It's 325 234 4277 or they can always look at the web which is producersandcargyle.com Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host Larry Marble. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs close lower. February hogs down a dollar seventy seven eighty five. April hogs down seven cents at eighty five thirty two. Class three milk was lower. January milk down seven twenty thirty one a hundred weight. February milk down fifty seven at 2206 100. The cotton market closed lower despite the very bullish USDA crop production and supply and demand report released on Wednesday. USDA lowered the 2021 cotton crop by over 600,000 bales. That pulled ending stocks down to 34.2 million bales. World carryout also cut by 720,000 bales in the report. All of that very friendly for the market. We saw prices jump on Wednesday, but on Thursday, we took some of the profits out of that market with March cotton down 80 points, 116.84. October cotton down 36 at 101.62. December cotton down 66 points. 95.68 cents. Now, that USDA report was very bearish for both the corn and the wheat markets, so they closed lower on Thursday. Also, rain in the forecast for most of Argentina put pressure on the corn market. March corn down 11 and a half, 587 and a half. New crops September corn down three and three quarters, 567 and a quarter. Double-digit losses in the wheat market reacting to USDA's Wednesday report. We saw a greater-than-expected increase in both U.S. and world-ending stocks, and that has kept pressure on the wheat market the last couple of days. July Kansas City wheat down 14 and a quarter, 764 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down 12 and three quarters at 742 and a half. In the energy markets, February natural gas dropped 56 cents at 428. February crude oil down $1.6, 81.58 a barrel. The financial markets lower on Thursday afternoon. The Dow down 130 points at 36,160. The Nasdaq down 329, 14,859. The S&P down 57 points at 4,669. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.